We are going to get started here on this sermon series today. I'll be talking about this for the next two weeks. Um, we're going to be doing a series called Focus. This week we're going to be talking about not losing heart and keeping our focus on Jesus. Next week we're going to talk about some key attributes of what a focused believer should have and what a focused believer should be doing in their life. So please be back with us next week. I'm looking forward to that too. But we're going to get started here in just a moment in Hebrews chapter 12. But before we do, I just want to start today with a question. And you don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever been so focused on something in your life that you felt like nothing ever would stop you from doing what you wanted to do. Maybe um, you had a goal in mind and no matter what happened, you were going to find a way to achieve this goal. Maybe you had a career goal. Maybe it was a fitness goal. Maybe it was just something going on, but no matter what happened, you were going to find a way to get there. And then for whatever reason, as you were trying to attain the goal, you started to lose focus on it. Uh, I know for me, I can identify this when it comes to trying to get in shape and more importantly, stay in shape. It's very easy to have the goal to do it, but then once you get to the goal or maybe once you're close to the goal, to then have the discipline to stick with it and keep going. I found in my life that it's, that it's easy to have really high, lofty aspirations, but it's much harder to actually attain them. Um, sometimes I believe that we're trying to attain things that we shouldn't have, and that's why we lose heart and we lose focus, because we're trying to get something that we truly shouldn't have in our life. So it's very easy to get um, unfocused in those moments. Uh, I don't know about you, but by the men in the room, uh, I'm sure if you had gotten what you wished for when you were a kid, how much different would the sanctuary look today? We'd probably have some cowboys. Um, we'd have some astronauts. We might have some WWE superstars, which luckily we don't because come as you are, but not in tights. Like, you know, but, you know, so luckily we don't have to look at that. But, you know, if we would have got what we wanted when we were a kid, if there's women in the room, we probably would have had some Disney princesses in our presence today um, lining up to take pictures with the kids. We'd have Snow White and Belle sitting in Among Us right now. I'm sure if you went back to our kids' church right now, if you asked some of those little girls what they would like to be when they grow up, we would find out we have a lot of Elsas and Annas that are going to be with us in 15 or 20 years. So sometimes it's good that we don't get what we really thought that we wanted. And it's easy to lose focus on those things. But you see, sometimes we have dreams in our life and there's things that God has placed inside of us and that God has called us to do. And if we're not careful, we can lose heart and we can lose focus when we're trying to attain those goals because sometimes they seem to be too difficult or sometimes they just seem like they're not going to happen. Sometimes maybe it seems like what was once realistic is now very unrealistic. Today I want to take a few minutes and just discuss the God-given things that you know that God has called you to do and not losing heart in those moments. We're going, to read chapter, we're going to read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3 in just a moment. Before I did, I want to kind of give a little bit of context of where we're jumping into here. Uh, we're going to start at the beginning of Hebrews, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 11 is pretty much known as the faith chapter. All this chapter is doing is going verse by verse, line by line, recognizing by faith what all of these people had done. By faith, the amazing, the amazing acts that they had done, the sacrifices they had made, the miracles that had happened. And it was all talking about faith. And then we get into verse 12 right after all of this and it says in verse 1 therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses all of these great people who had done all of these tremendous acts let us now throw off everything that hinders us in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and not lose heart. 
This morning, I want to give us three things that I think cause us to lose heart. Number one, and we're just going to go straight from the scripture line by line, but I think the number one thing that causes us to lose heart is simply sin. In verse verse one right there, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. We will lose heart and you will lose heart trying to do what God has asked you to do if you're not willing to get the sin out of your life. So, so many times in the world that we're living in now, and to be honest, even church culture and a lot of different churches, not to bash anybody, but sin is becoming more and more acceptable. And we can never get to a point as pastors that we say that sin is okay. Will we love you? Absolutely. Will we help you? Absolutely. Will we do everything we can to make sure you're living the life that God wants you to live? Absolutely. But we will never get to a point that we can condone sin that we know is sin. We can't celebrate something that's not supposed to be celebrated and say that God loves you and everything is okay because, yes, God loves you but he also has a plan for your life and the plan for your life cannot be a sinful nature that we must learn to walk away from, that we must learn to, to get rid of because if not, it will be a hindrance in our lives. Sin is sin. The very definition of sin is a separation from God. If you have sin in your life, how can you be close to the one that the sin is causing you to be separated from? You cannot have sin in your life that is undealt with and draw closer to God. It is impossible. It doesn't matter what anybody tells you. It doesn't matter how anybody tries to manipulate the scripture. You cannot be sinful in your lifestyle and draw closer to the God who created you not to live that way. You have to cast off the sin and the evil uh, things in your life that are a hindrance and a distraction from the enemy. A God-given dream can never come to pass in a life that is open to the enemy. If your life is an open door to the enemy by choices that you are choosing to make, by actions that you are choosing to take, your life cannot be a fertile ground for the, for the Savior of the world. He will be a fertile ground for the enemy to do what he sees fit in your life. Sin is one of those things that it, more and more it doesn't like to get talked about anymore. It's kind of like, well, we just want to love people, and we're going to love people. I can tell you I have relationships with people right now, and I am doing everything I can to be a light to them. But there comes a day when we have a conversation, and I have to tell them I love you more than anything. And the reason I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you is because I love you more than anything, and I can't accept what you are doing, but I'm going to keep loving you, and I'm going to keep doing everything I can, and I'm hoping that somewhere, somehow, that the light in my life will show them something and that the love of Jesus will permeate through me and Lisa and show them that they need to walk away from what they're choosing to walk in. But you see, we like to talk about those types of scenarios as believers, but what we don't like to talk about is it says cast off every everything that's a hindrance, every sin that entangles us. And we like to always put the big sins up there, but sometimes we don't like to talk about the fact that we should probably be casting the gossip off of our life that we should probably be casting the anger off of our life, the doubt off of our life, the judgment off of our life, the condemnment off of our life. We are supposed to cast off everything off of our life that is separating us from God. And if we're not willing to do that, we will lose heart and we will lose focus on what we are supposed to be doing. Number one, the first thing that will make you lose heart is sin. Number two is taking your eyes off of Jesus. It says in verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand throne of God. This one sounds so simple. How could you take your eyes off of Jesus? That's just silly. Why would you even say that? Like, I would never take my eyes off of Jesus. And my question today is, when is the last time that the Holy Spirit convicted you of something that you ignored? When was the last time you knew something wasn't supposed to keep happening, but you allowed it to keep happening? 
When was the last time there was a relationship that you know you shouldn't be part of, but you want to keep stay, you want to stay a part of it because you don't want to walk away from it, even though you know it's wrong, but you're choosing to do it because you're thinking somehow that person is going to give you what you think you wanted, and you're taking your eyes off of Jesus, and Jesus is saying the whole time, that's not what I have for you, that's not the plan that I have for you. I've spoken with so many people over the years who, who get so excited about things. They're so excited about what they think God has shown them to do with their life. And they have, they have so much excitement and so much joy and so much anticipation of what is going to happen. And then when you talk to them a month later, it's like a whole new person. Well, yeah, just, it's, I don't think it's going to happen. You know, or, or the opposite of things started going good for them and all of a sudden it's all about them and less about God and they get a big ego and they get all of these, the, these things where all of a sudden it's all about them and everything you talk about, it's I and me and this is what I did and this is what we're going to do and we forget about Jesus and we take our eyes off of him. You know, I, I heard a pastor say this one time, but an easy way to substitute what ego means is edging God out. How many areas of our life, if we look at them honestly and we ask God to help guide us, where are we edging God out of areas of our life that he is not supposed to be edged out of? Are you edging him out of your relationships because you don't truly want him to tell you what what he needs to tell you? Are you edging him out of your parenting situations? Are you edging him out of your job situation? Are you edging him out of your finances because you don't want to really do what God is asking you to do in the area of giving? So you're just going to keep edging and edging and edging him out and getting your eyes further and further and further off of him. If you take your eyes off of Jesus, you will lose heart and you will lose focus. We can't take our eyes off of the one that has such tremendous plans for us. Number one is sin. Number two is take your eyes off Jesus. Number three, don't get excited. It's a long one. So you are looking at the clock thinking, man, he's quick today. It's going to, it'll be a little bit. We'll get out. But number three is forgetting about Jesus. In the scripture, it says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Some of us in the room today might be guilty of this and not even realize it. Some of us, if we evaluate our life and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, we might realize in a few moments that we've actually forgotten about God in a lot of the areas of our life that we're struggling in and we don't understand why, and it's because we might have forgotten about Jesus. When is the last time that you asked Jesus for his input on your plans? When was the last time you said, Jesus, you know, you see everything I'm going to do, and I really want your guidance, but not really because I'm going to do this? When was the last time you truly gave Jesus the right to have an input on the decisions that you're making? Or are you just praying empty prayers so you can say you prayed them? God, you know, close a door, open a door. That's great. Amen. Now I'm going to go do whatever I wanted to do because I didn't really... I just want to be able to say I prayed about it. When has Jesus had the right to give you serious input on your plans? When is the last time that you were willing to walk away from something that you didn't want to walk away from? And even more importantly, when was the last time you were willing to stay somewhere where you didn't want to stay? You know, I think sometimes we get, we, we build up faith as the being walking away from things that we need to walk away from. And that's absolutely true. But I also think equally as important, it takes faith sometimes to stay somewhere where it's uncomfortable, to stay somewhere where you don't want to stay, to stay at a job, even though you're not really loving it, but you know God hasn't released you yet, to stay in a situation that it's not harming you. You just don't like it because it's become inconvenient and uncomfortable. But it takes a lot of faith sometimes to stay somewhere when God is telling you to stay. I think sometimes it might actually take more faith to stay than to leave. And I don't want that to be twisted in any way. If you're in a situation that's dangerous, get out. 
God wouldn't ask you to stay somewhere if you're in a harmful situation. But if you're just somewhere and God hasn't released you to walk away from it, when's the last time that you had the faith to stay? When's the last time the Holy Spirit convicted you on something and you said, God, I'm going to truly get focused on this and take it out of my life. I don't want it in here anymore. If we are not careful, we can go about our Christian walk and forget about Jesus. We can, we can call ourselves a Christian and actually forget about Christ. And it's a dangerous place to be when you forget about Jesus. There's no quicker way to lose heart when you're trying to live out a purpose that he's called you to do, but you don't want his input anymore because you've just gotten so busy in doing it your own way. Yesterday, as me and Lisa were uh, wrapping up kind of Thanksgiving break with the boys, we were trying to think of something fun we could do with them, you know, Thanksgiving break. We got a chance to take them to a movie, but other than that, we didn't do a whole lot of stuff with them this week. We just had a lot of stuff going on, and um, so we hadn't got out of the house with them a whole lot, and they were showing the signs of not being out of the house. It was, it was bouncing off the walls, <coughs> fighting with each other, arguing with each other. Um, so we're like, me and Lisa decided on Friday night, let's just take them to the zoo tomorrow. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm sure everybody in the room has something you're really good at. Um, you know, whether it's a sport, whether it's your job, maybe you're a great scrapbooker if you're a woman, like whatever your thing is. Uh, I just threw that in there. <laughs> you, you can be professional. So what I consider me and my wife very good at is we are good at taking our boys to the zoo. And we have been to the zoo so many times, I know the place like the back of my hand. Um, it's embarrassing how many times we go there. I'm not trying to brag. I don't know if you know anybody else that can say this, but I'm a zoo member. Um, <laughs> if you go more than twice, it pays for itself. So we get the membership every year. Go get one. Tell them I sent you. I won't get anything for it. Um, but we're zoo members because we go so often. And we always go on Saturday mornings. We get there early before they open. We have a great time. We get through. We get out. Awesome. Our tops. Well, we recently went on a cruise about a month and a half ago, and my in-laws, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, and then my parents, you know, good grandparents, they decided, let's all take the boys to the zoo together. And me and Lisa were thinking, that's a great idea. They love the zoo. We didn't think it all the way through because we forgot to give them proper instruction. So we get back from the cruise, and they're like, wow, that, that zoo was tiring. I was like, how long were y'all there? Like, five hours. I was like, five hours? Like, what were y'all thinking? Like, yeah, we just walked in. Aiden was grumpy the whole time. We think it's because so-and-so couldn't come with us. And, you know, he was, he was upset. He's just mad-faced the whole time walking through, like, grumpy and rah, rah, rah. And I was like, really? I was like, he loves the zoo. So they start talking. I was like, well, what did y'all do when y'all got it? How did you spend five hours at the zoo? I don't know if any of y'all have done that. If you did, God love you. But I don't know how you do that. It's like, how did you spend? That's like five visits for us. How did you spend five hours? And they're like, well, we started here, and then we went there, and then we... I was like, y'all were jumping, I mean, I'm looking at them like they're crazy. Y'all were jumping around? Like, you didn't follow the right path and, like, do everything in the right order? And I was like, well, no wonder he was upset. Like, y'all are taking them out of order. And they're like, it was just like, I think, I looked at my watch. We walked, like, five and a half miles. I'm like, ow. I was so happy they took them, but I felt bad for them because I wish we could have told them how to do this much easier. Well, yesterday, like I said, me and Lisa get the bright idea to take the boys to the zoo. She had an appointment yesterday morning, so the one difference that we had never done before is going to the zoo on a Saturday afternoon on Thanksgiving weekend with beautiful weather at 2 o'clock. <laughs> there is no other way to describe what we did yesterday than just stupid. I mean, it was just no other way to describe it. We were ignorant. So we pull up to the zoo, and we start seeing the parking lot over by Herman Park, and I kind of looked at her. I was like, uh-oh. And she looked at I was like, it is busy, babe. I was like, we'll just go to the back. I was like, no big deal. We drive around the parking lot 
for 15 minutes, cannot find a parking spot. I have never seen the zoo this busy, but we never go in the afternoon. We always get there when they open. So we're driving around, driving around. Aiden's like, Daddy, you got... I said, buddy, I'm trying. Daddy's trying his hardest. Don't, I'm going to find somewhere to park. Don't worry about it. We're driving around, driving around. Finally, I come to a row and I see reverse lights. I become that person that throws the blinker on and just sits there. I'm like, I'm not leaving. Like, you don't understand what I got in the back seat. This is happening. So I sit there with my blinker, and it's a tight spot. I drive a truck, and I was like, I don't, I don't think I can pull in there frontwards. I'm going to have to back in. I'm like, no big deal. I'm good at backing in. So the car finally moves after they took forever, part, like, packing up their stroller. And I was praying really good things for them as they were taking forever. So we finally get them out of their spot. I swing up. I go to back in. I misjudged it. I was like, oh. So I put it in park. I mean, in drive. I pull up. Back it in, I misjudged it. I pull up, put it in park. The whole time I'm doing this, there is a nice Tahoe directly behind me that is hoping that I cannot get in this spot because he knows if I don't get in, he's going to get the spot. And I, I felt like every time I backed up, he was just somehow edging closer, even though I don't think he really was. Like, I'm sweating because I'm getting nervous. I can't get in this spot. This is taking forever. What am I going to do? On the fifth try, I just gave up, and I put it in drive, and I drove off, and I was like... <laughs> I told Lisa, I was like, I should have tried to go in frontwards. <laughs> and because she was trying to encourage me in my lack of driving, she's like, oh, I don't think you would have fit, even though she's probably like, you would have fit. <laughs> so we then pull off. There's no parking spots. And Aiden, no, Daddy, you got it, you got it, you got it. I said, buddy, I am trying my hardest. So then I told Lisa, hey, there's a back entrance that we've never gone in. Google it real quick. She Googles it. Back entrance is available on the weekends only, holidays, Big problem is there's no, no parking. I was like, we're going to go find somewhere to park. So we start driving down towards Bentop Hospital, the back entrance of the zoo. And as we're driving the whole time, Aiden's yelling at me, Daddy, why are we leaving? I was like, buddy, we're not leaving. Will you just be quiet and let me concentrate? I've already missed one parking spot. Like, I can't take the stress. Let me do this thing. So we pull up, and there's a big sign that says no zoo parking. I just thought that meant maybe in the morning. So I decided, I decided, I prayed about it real quick and didn't feel any conviction. So I went ahead. I went ahead and parked there. Uh, and we walked across the street to the back entrance of the zoo. We finally get to the entrance. We check in the whole time walking. Daddy, why are we going in back here? This isn't where we're supposed to go in. I'm like, will you just be happy that I parked? Like, you don't know what I went through just to get to where we're at right now. This is all for you. Like, I didn't want to come to the zoo today. This is for you. So we walk into the entrance. There's two terrible things about this entrance. One is that it's in the very back of the zoo. And most of y'all know this, but if you don't, my eight-year-old Aiden has autism. He is very routine-based. So, like, however he wants something, that's how he wants it. He's used to it. you got to get him in a routine. And, like, when he's in a routine, he thrives. Take him out of his routine, it's a bad day for mom and dad. Like, it's just not good. So he's already frustrated because we're walking in somewhere we're not used to walking into. And then Austin, this entrance is located literally at the back of the carousel, which just so happens to be Austin's favorite thing at the whole zoo. It's a Saturday afternoon, Thanksgiving weekend. The place is packed. We're not waiting in line for the carousel. Um, So we're like, buddy, maybe later. Like, we got the back pass. He starts freaking out. No! 
I want to ride the carousel, mommy. So I got Austin over here screaming at Lisa, and then I'm over here getting screamed at because I had the nerve to come in the wrong entrance to the zoo. And Aiden's like, Daddy, you know we can't come in the back. I don't want to see the stuff back here. I've got to see the McCalls first. He knows the McCalls are at the front of the zoo because we go there so many times, and that's what he's used to doing. I'm like, Aiden, buddy, we're going to get there. So I am not joking. As we walked past the carousel, we dealt with that meltdown with Austin. We got past it. God moved and we were okay. So we start walking towards the front of the zoo and everywhere we go, the first thing we come to is the giraffes. And he's like, I don't want to see the giraffes first. I don't want to see the giraffes first. Then we go past the monkey. I don't want to see the monkeys, Dad. I don't want to see the monkeys yet, Daddy. Not yet, not yet. I'm like, Aiden, buddy, we're going to get to the, Daddy, why did you come in this way? Why would you do this to me? And I'm thinking, like, these people are probably thinking, I just like, what did I do to this poor boy? I mean, all I did was take you in somewhere different than what you normally go into. We finally, 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 finally get to the front after much prayer. We get to the front and we see the macaws. I have never been so happy in my life to see two birds. Like, I mean, I was so happy. I was like, thank you, Jesus, for macaws. Like, they're beautiful. But the first thing we do when we get there, Aiden's finally in front of the birds. He's seeing what he wants to see. Austin, Daddy, I need to go potty. Daddy, I need to go potty. And Aiden's like, no! (laughs) We're looking at the macaws. Lisa's like, why don't you take Austin to the bathroom? I'll stay here. So me and Austin run to the bathroom. We come back, and then we follow our normal routine through the zoo. And we get through the zoo in an hour. We're happy. We leave. No big deal. Because he got back to where he was used to being. The whole time as I'm walking him through this zoo, all I can think to myself, and I don't want to verbalize it because I would not have verbalized it correctly and very nicely in the moment, was, boy, I am your father. I know what I'm doing. I've been to the zoo 1,000 times. I know exactly where we're going, and I know exactly how we need to get there, and I'm going to show you those stinking birds that you want to see first, and then we're going to go see the sea lions, the reptile house, and everything else that you want to see, and the order that you want to see it, but you have to trust me to get there. And as I was thinking about my sermon today, it's like God was showing me that is unfortunately what so many believers do to me. They don't like the way in which I'm getting them to where they need to go. So they completely forget about me in the process and they just think that I'm no longer there. They completely take their eyes off of me. They forget that I'm there to help them. They forget that I'm there to guide them. And all they do is get mad about the way in which I'm making them go through the process and the way in which I'm guiding them to walk around where they need to walk around. And I was just kind of reminded Minded, I think politely what God would tell somebody in the room today, and as nice as I can say it, is that I'm your father and I'm going to lead you where I want to lead you. I just need you to grab my hand, close your mouth, and follow me. It's the same thing that I wanted to tell my son yesterday. I know what I am doing. And I want to encourage somebody in the room today. Maybe you've been going through a lot lately. He knows what he is doing. He has a purpose, he has a plan, and he promises that he will never leave us nor forsake us. It might feel like you're alone, but in those moments you can know that he's never closer because he has a plan. But I think too often as we go through these difficulties and these trying times, we act like my eight-year-old little boy in the zoo yesterday. And we just want to put our hands over our ears, we don't want to look at anything, and we just want to get mad and throw a little bit of a tantrum because we're, God is not doing the thing that we thought he was going to do the way we thought he should do it. God's job is not to do things the way that you want to do them. God's plans are far, far higher than that. 
God is going to take you through some places that you don't understand why you walk through them. God is going to lead you down some paths that don't seem like they make sense at the moment. But when you get to the other side, you'll look back and say he had a plan the whole time. You see, when we finally got to those birds at the front of the zoo, my son literally turned into a new person after Austin went to the restroom. Because then we started doing exactly what he wanted to do, exactly the way we wanted to walk. It was exactly what he was accustomed to because he saw everything that he thought he was not going to see. I think as Christians, we get so concerned that we're going to miss something along the way if God takes us somewhere else that we forget that God is guiding us where he's guiding us. God is going to lead us where he chooses to lead us. And we cannot forget about Jesus in these moments. I want to encourage you today that if that's you, if you've identified with any of these three things today, if it's a sin issue, if you've been taking your eyes off of Jesus, or if you're honest, man, I've actually just forgotten completely about Jesus in some situations in my life. The good news is that Jesus has been waiting for you to come back. The good news is that Jesus has just been waiting on you to call back out to him and realign your focus back on him. I'll close with this, and I thought it applied. I, you know, I told y'all once before, for a little while, I was training with this guy that goes to our church, just personal training. He's a fighter, and I'm not a fighter. Um, I'll fight you at a buffet line. That's about it. But he made that he was being interviewed for one of his fights one time, and his fights are three rounds. And I listened to this interview, and it just always stuck with me. And I knew I would use it one day. I just didn't know when. But they were talking about like round by round, what's your fight look like? What do you do? What's what's it look like? And he said, well, round one is all about skill. So round one, when you go into a fight with your opponent, it's just strictly mostly about the skill of each other, your God-given ability and the ability that you've worked towards. It's about skill, and that's what gets you through round one. Then you get to round two, and round two is, is really all about technique and game plan. How you're fighting, how you're defending, do you have a game plan on your opponent? Do you know what he's going to try to do to you? Do you have a plan on what you're going to do back, how you're going to respond if he comes at you? It's all about technique and game plan. And then they said, well, what about round three? And he said, well, round three is just all about heart. It comes down to you and your opponent, whoever has bigger heart, whoever wants it more, whoever won't give up, whoever is going to find a way to get to the end and do what they had set out to do. And I think it's very applicable for this scripture. There are going to be things in our life that come against us that we don't understand. There's going to be things that we walk through that seem very easy. No big deal. We have the skill to get through that. We have the technique to get through that. But there's going to come a day where the only way you're going to be able to get through something, if you have not lost heart in the Savior, if you have kept your focus on him and say no matter how how many times I get knocked down, I am going to not lose heart in my Savior. I'm going to keep getting back up, and I'm going to keep walking and keep doing what he has asked me to do. I challenge you today to not lose heart. Keep your focus on Jesus. This morning, if everybody would close their eyes and bow their head for me. I just want to ask this question quickly, and then we'll close here in just a moment. But if you're in the room today and you say, if you're honest, you've been talking about these things and maybe sin is the big issue for you and you've lived a life that you know that wouldn't be pleasing in the sight of God or maybe you've accepted Jesus as your Savior but you've completely walked away and you just say, you know what, I need to accept Jesus in my life and I need to allow him to guide my life and to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and be my Savior. If that's you today, no one's looking around. I just want to ask you to raise your hand wherever you're at and we're just going to pray a prayer together where you're at. If you'll just raise your hand and say, I need to accept Jesus. See that hand? Is there anybody else? I need to put my focus on Jesus today. I want everybody, if you will, to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross for me. 
And on the third day, he rose again. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life and take control. I live for you from this day forward. Amen. And now with everybody's eyes closed and head bowed, just one more question. But if you're in here today and you identified with any of these three things, maybe it's some sin that you know you need to walk away from. Maybe it's a a relationship that you've been hanging on to that you know you need to just completely end it and get out of it and walk away from it. Maybe you've been uh, taking your eyes off of Jesus through some difficult circumstances. Or maybe if you're honest, there's just been some things where, man, I have just completely forgotten about Jesus as I've been walking through this and I need to realign my focus back to him. I'm just gonna ask you to lift your hand as just a sign to say, Jesus, I need you. I'm putting my focus back on you today. I don't want to lose heart, but if that's you, we just lift your hand wherever you're at. I just want to pray for you, and then we'll close. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I come to you right now. God, I don't know what these hands represent, but you do. God, if it's a sin issue, I pray that you, the Holy Spirit, will convict them and show them what they need to do in their life to get things right. God, if people are walking through difficult circumstances and they've been taking their eyes off of you or in certain circumstances even forgetting about you, God, I just pray that today would be the day that they realign their focus on you and they realize that through the good, the bad, the tough times and the good times that you're right there beside them, that you're leading them, that you're guiding them. And God, I pray that you just give them the faith to not lose heart and to walk through this. God, in your name I pray, amen.